Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good afternoon. Welcome to Ask the Experts, the show all about your health, your life, your home, and so much more with our rotating cast of experts. Back in the studio with us today, Sunil Verma from Austin Business Brokers. We're going to talk about what a business broker can or can't do or should or shouldn't do for the business, where those lines are and those lines you don't want to cross. Sunil, welcome back to Ask the Experts. Yes. Good afternoon, Casey. How are you? Let's get right into it, Sunil. Let's talk about things that a business broker should or shouldn't do or can or can't do without uh, violating any ethical rules or crossing some lines there. And I guess let's talk about the role of the business broker in a transaction. When a business broker has a first consultation with the business owner, there there are many steps uh, to the journey of closing the deal. And a broker has to multitask and wear many hats to get to that end goal. All right. And uh, most of the time, the business owners are not very aware of those kind of uh, details that take place during the course of uh, the sale of the business. And therefore, the broker must be thinking three, four steps ahead. Uh, you know, usually you can tell something might end up being an issue, he has to find a solution before we get there. So the issue is resolved and there's no problems between the buyer and the seller. And some of those things are pretty easy to accomplish. Now, business owners sometimes have this misconception and may think of a business broker more than what he is. Uh, you know, they, they think of him as a salesman. They, he's going to, you know, uh, sell the price to the highest bidder or they think he, they consider him as an advisor uh, to get information and to lean on and uh, to get the best results. And uh, sometimes they look at the business broker to, you know, here's my books. Can you make sense out of it and see how much the business is worth? All right. And then also they rely on the business broker to do the contracts, like the asset purchase agreement or other bill of sales kind of thing. And sometimes they might even think that the business broker will be the escrow attorney uh, conducting uh, the transaction as a third party, all right? Or I've heard business uh, owners call me and say, okay, you're a business broker, you sell and buy businesses. Well, we are business brokers. Well, I thought business brokers buy the business and then flip it and sell it to somebody else. No, business brokers don't, uh, don't do that. 
Sometimes I've seen cases where business brokers have been so much in love with the business that they're trying to sell that they buy on themselves. There's nothing wrong with that as long as there's no conflict in terms of price and things of that nature. Sometimes the business owner will think that the business brokers guarantee them a certain price for the business and or he's a mercenary. He's a special, he has one task and to do what the business owner tells them and like a superman, he'll do everything that needs to be done at the snap of the fingers of the business owner. Well, in reality, a business broker is a little bit of all of that, and but with some limitations. And we can discuss those limitations where, the, like you said, the boundaries uh, are and what legally and practically a business broker can or cannot do. It's almost managing expectations and understanding if I've got a business that I'm trying to sell, as I come into a client relationship with you, figuring out where those lines, what you are going to do, what you aren't going to do, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, and kind of figuring out where those lines are. And again, maybe as the business owner, you know, maybe I have some some misled expectations on that or some misguided expectations. And, and so I guess as in your role as the business broker, it's it's partially on you as that relationship is developing to kind of lay out those expectations of what you are and aren't going to do in terms of as the process develops. Yes, sir. And the biggest uh, item on that discussion or the expectations of the business owner is the price of the business. After all, that's the, that's the, that's the meat of the matter. You know, how much is the business going to sell for? Well, uh, good brokers should be able to look at the financials and convince the owner of a reasonable value, looking at the numbers and doing his uh, work and coming up with a valuation. And if the business broker is not good with numbers, then there's something missing. Uh, he's in the wrong trade. And at times, business brokers who have no clue how to do valuations will source it out to a third party, and which in itself is not a bad idea because you get a third-party valuation. And we do that sometimes if the business is worth over more than $5, $10 million. Uh, we recommend business owners to get a third-party valuation. We also do our valuation on our own just to compare what the numbers are uh, against that. But sometimes what a business owner will do is if he doesn't have the numbers, the profit and loss statements, the balance sheet, the tax returns, all he has is bank statements and receipts and invoices and bills, he'll throw it at the broker and say, hey, can you figure out how much money I'm making, how much money I made last year, the year before, and so on. Well, a good business broker should not do that, should not touch it, because then you are getting involved in constructing something that you should not do. And typically, when a business broker will present a package of business information to a potential buyer, they will clearly have a disclaimer saying, we did not verify and we do not vouch for these numbers. All right. It's up to the buyer to do his or her due diligence and make sure the tax returns and all that stuff match. If the business broker gets involved in doing the bookkeeping, then he's opening himself to a liability of getting sued later on because there was something wrong with the numbers. And and the business owner will say, hey, he did it. I didn't do anything. All I did was give him the bank statements and everything. There's been numerous cases where we get this situation, and if they don't have a decent profit and loss statement, 
and tax returns. We just don't take up the project. We tell the business owner, thank you, but no thank you. We cannot handle it. Uh, we've had businesses worth over a few million dollars and the bookkeeping has been lousy or there has been no bookkeeping at all. And uh, we just don't bother with them because it, it's very difficult to sell a potential buyer on something that doesn't exist. And if it does exist, it's dubious uh, at the worst. And you don't want to get involved in something where people, uh, when they go to the CPA and they figure out these numbers are, or these, these papers are not worth trusting. So that's something, the biggest misconception is the business owner thinks that the bookkeeper, uh, the business broker will act as a bookkeeper. He does not. Uh, we do the valuation, we come up with a certain amount based on the numbers, but we need to have the foundation to move forward. And we've talked about before, if you own a business and you're looking to potentially selling it, maybe not today, maybe down the road, this is perhaps where kind of almost like a tune-up for your car that we've talked about before, where someone may have you come in, take a look at that kind of stuff, find those kinds of problems and identify them. Like you say, not get involved in fixing them, but highlight those red flags and tell them to go fix it. And then later, that may be ready to then proceed with a sale or further move down that line of having a transaction. Exactly. Now, we have had situations where a business owner will come to us and they say, well, sell the business, but they don't have good books. And we tell them, get a bookkeeper, get a CPA, and start working on it. It might take you a year, two years. We would like to see three years of books. I don't have time to three years. And the economy being what it is, I'm going to sell now or... Uh, different excuses. Well, we don't touch those, and I've seen those businesses go on the market a few months later, and they've been selling for pennies to a dollar. Well, and and like you said earlier, without a solid, you know, bu- business bookkeeping is one of the most important things that you can have in a business. That is your valuation right there, proving that the business is truly worth what it is. And so, having that documentation, that solid foundation. It, it's just so important. So it, it, I can definitely understand how that would be a red flag on a potential transaction. Time for a break here on Ask the Experts. Our guest today, Sunil Verma with Austin Business Brokers. If you've got a question about buying or selling a business, maybe you're looking to put a business on the market or you're looking to jump in and buy a business, start working for yourself, give Sunil a call, 512-800-7085, 512-800-7085, on the web at abbtx.com. We're back with more right after this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're back on Ask the Experts, the show all about your health, your life, your home, and so much more with our rotating cast of experts. 
Our guest today, Sunil Verma with Austin Business Brokers. We're talking about areas where a business broker can and cannot get deeply involved in buying or selling a business. A business broker basically is there as an advisor, but sometimes maybe you've got expectations that are out of line with what a business broker can do. That's kind of what we're talking about today is where the guardrails are as far as how a business broker can participate in a transaction and where they should kind of back off a little bit. Sunil's ready to help you with your particular situation at 512-800-7085, 512-800-7085, or on the web at abbtx.com. Sunil, let's get back to our list of different landmines or or red flags that might pop up as far as a potential transaction. And I guess the next one on the list is getting into partnerships of a business, either selling a share or even getting into soliciting sales of stocks. That just on its face sounds like it could be problematic. Correct. And uh, this happens more frequently than you would uh, think. Uh, I've seen businesses advertise we are selling the business or we are looking for a partner to come in and bring in some money and become a partner. I've even seen brokers do that. They want to sell a part of uh, a business. Uh, and uh, I've had people call me saying, you know, they own 25% of the shares of a company and they want to sell that. We don't get involved. We are not licensed. And legally, you can't even advertise or try to get somebody. And in most cases, even the owners cannot do that. You need a FINRA license. And now, sometimes what happens is when we are selling a business, let's say it's a $5 million business, and instead of a stock sale, the buyer and the seller decide to buy the LLC or the corporation. And uh, so instead of an asset sale, it becomes a stock sale. At that point, the broker has either a choice to step aside and not get involved in those transactions and just be a procuring cause for the seller, or... In Texas, there's an exception where you could go to the state and fill out, a, I think it's about 30 pages of forms, and just for the single transaction, you can participate as a broker. And it's a very lengthy process, and let's say you do that towards the end of the year, that license is only valid till the end of the calendar year, and if the transaction goes on to next January, you have to apply again. And again, this is all... Only for that specific transaction, you cannot advertise and say, you know, you can do stock sales or get involved in other transactions. For each transaction, you have to get the permission of the state. Again, most brokers are best not to get involved on those kind of things. You leave it to the attorneys who do stock sales. And at that point, when the business is that size, it's a good practice to have attorneys uh, walk the buyer and the seller through the transactions. So, so they both will have their own team and they'll negotiate and, uh, the terms. And um, So the broker won't get involved in selling uh, shares for which they need a license. Another area that could get really complicated really fast is franchising your business. I, I guess this is something that people may actually try and do, contacting a business broker, thinking that the business broker will help them franchise their business out to potential uh Franchisors, I guess it is? Correct. Uh, no, franchisees. Oh, franchisees, yes. So uh, we get calls a few times, you know, uh, you're a business broker, yes. I have a very good business. I'm not looking to sell it, but I'm going to sell the name and have somebody else pay for it, and I'll get royalties and do everything. And I'm in Texas. 
I want to do it in Texas, but I don't mind spreading out to Oklahoma, California, New Mexico, Arizona, wherever else. Well, there are certain franchise rules for the nation. You can't just uh, do that. And a broker is ill-equipped or not very good at doing this. You need attorneys. You have to file for franchising in every state, uh, especially if you're going to go nationwide. You have to file those papers on all 50 states and do the legal work and have those uh, franchise declarations and things of that nature. And when you have somebody applying for your business, you have to give them the documents and have them look at it before they do anything. So brokers should not get involved. And I've never heard of any broker getting involved in franchising for the business owners. But that's something the business owners think a business broker might be able to do that. No, uh, we are brokers, but we are business brokers. Uh, we are not shipping brokers or freight brokers. We just sell businesses. Another red flag area, and Winston Hill, we've talked about this one before, is transferring your business, making that sale, doing the transaction without telling your landlord. That's all kinds of a red flag, isn't it? Yes, and I have uh, actual cases where the business owner has called me after he's been kicked out or he's out on the street with his inventory saying, you know, we, and in, in, in a couple of cases, a business broker was involved. And the business broker said, I don't have a real estate license. I don't get involved in leases. It's you and your landlord. But it looks fine. Just sell the business and I'll find you a broker who will take care of the lease. All right, a real estate broker. So the transaction happens. The buyer pays the money to the seller. The seller pays his commission to the broker and the broker go goes away. And then they have the problem with the landlord. Uh, I haven't seen of any lease where you can uh, assign the lease or even sublet without the permission of the landlord. So that's crucial. And some... Uh, Business owners and business buyers who are not that savvy don't think about those details, and sometimes they get uh, just uh, rolled over by the business broker. Another area that can get into some hot water as you're navigating the path of a business transaction, and, and this, again, it seems like a simple one, but if it's on our list, I guess it happens more often than not, misrepresenting the business or not disclosing any material facts that may be damaging to the business. I, I guess it's really a case of trying to hide something that you should be forthcoming to a potential buyer is not a good idea. Correct. Uh, so. Uh, now, like in real estate, there are some rules when a uh, buyer wants to buy a house, the seller has to disclose. And some things he might have to legally do and some things he might have to morally do. And they're not required by law. And however, by disclosing them, there's potential that the buyer might walk away or the price of his house may get lowered. Same thing is true about businesses. Now, there are some things that, you know, let's say the landlord has said the rent is going to go up 10% next year. Well, he has sent a letter to that effect. And it's the duty of the business owner and the business broker to show that to the potential buyer. And most often, it's already uh, uh, put in paper in terms of amendment and things of that. But there might be some other instances where a business has maybe 10% of revenues coming from one client and the client has 
pretty much told him, if you sell your business, I'm done with this business. I'm going to take my business somewhere else. I'm only giving you the business because you're my friend. All right. So those kind of things should be ethically disclosed to the other party. And uh, now if the broker catches wind of it, it says you need to inform the other party, hey, you know, you bank this business, you think it's worth $5 million, but after you buy it, it'll be worth $3 million. Maybe that's something you need to have a discussion with, with the other party. And uh, because these facts later on come out, uh, let's say it happens, and then the buyer is upset, he calls the seller. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I told the broker. Didn't you tell you? Well, so the broker has not only to cover himself, but also be honest with the other party, make sure that nobody's getting cheated. Yeah, and, and as we've talked about before, that the role of the broker really is to sit in the middle of this transaction and try to represent the best, as best they can, represent the best interests of both parties and the integrity of the transaction itself and to the extent that they can verify the integrity of the business itself. And like you say, in some cases, if you can't validate that, if you can't vouch for that, if you're not willing to put your name on it, it's best just to for everybody just to kind of walk away and step away from that transaction, right? Yes, sir. And uh, once this discussion does happen between the broker and the business owner, at that point, a responsible broker would ask the uh, seller to reconsider his price based upon these factors and which must be disclosed once the potential buyer has shown interest in writing an offer rather than, you know, have him surprised later on. So, you know, if you're selling a business that normally people would think it's worth $5 million, it's on the market for $3 million. And he's interested, but he's also curious why it's so inexpensive or lower than uh, the normal price. That's where the business owner and the broker can have a discussion with the party. And this is why. And it may or may not happen, but there's a risk. And in order to, that potential risk, we are discounting the price of the business to cover you in the future. And Sunil, we're coming down to the end of our time here. One final thing that's on our list of areas where a business broker maybe can or can't get involved or should or shouldn't, and some kind of pitfalls that could happen along the way, along the path of a transaction, is net listings. Talk about how that can be a negative in a transaction and how a broker should avoid those. No, that's a... Uh, terminology in real estate, net listings. There are different ways of uh, brokers uh, to get paid. Typically, it's commission-based, and uh, residential is usually 6%. Commercial could be 5 to 10%. And business brokers can vary anywhere from 12% down uh, the scale, depending on the size of the business. Net listing means, let's say, uh, I have something to sell, and... I want $200,000 out of it, whether it's a house or property or business or whatever. And whatever, anything else over 200000 it's yours, Mr. Broker. There's a conflict on the part of the broker, and there's also a chance of later on scrutiny. The seller's attorney might come by in two years and say, hey, how come you made so much commission? Isn't it usually 10%? Yes. So 10% of a million dollars should be 100000 You made $250,000 out of the deal. Well, that's what the seller said. Well, you should have known better. You knew you could sell it for more, and you should have gotten more money for your client because you have a fiduciary duty to uh, do the best for your client. There you go. Some different pitfalls, some red flags, some areas that 
just a matter of setting expectations when it comes to establishing that relationship. If you're looking to sell a business, maybe buy a business, and you're working with a business broker, some areas you should be aware of of what a business broker can and can't do, what they should and shouldn't do. Sunil's ready to help you with your particular situation. If you've got a business that you've built, maybe you're looking to take a step back from, hand it off to someone else to take care of, you take that next step in your life, or maybe you're looking to buy into a business, start working and building for yourself instead of working for somebody else, working that eight to five. 512-800-7085, 512-800-7085-ABBTX.com, the website, a lot of good resources up there. And again, if you've got a question that has piqued your mind while we've been talking about these pitfalls today, abbtx.com slash radio. Fill out that form there. Sunil will be happy to answer those questions on a future episode here on Ask the Experts. That's our time today. Sunil, thanks so much for stopping by the studio today. Thank you very much. And if somebody wants to buy a business, they don't have to work 8 to 5. They can work 24 hours a day. Seven days a week, so they choose. (laughs) Or they can set their own hours. There you go. The joy of having the choice, exactly. That's our time today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll have more for you again next time, right here on Ask the Experts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.